Hi everyone, this is John and TJ. Welcome back to our second edition of ALN Math Talk this year. Math Talk is where we answer your questions about online lessons, math learning, and the meaning of life. Uh, today we're going to try uh, something a little different. We have a guest and we're going to run it out there into the airwaves and see who listens in. Today John and I are going to be talking to our own Aaron Oliver about a balanced math block and specifically the role of men math menus during one's math instruction. So I'd love us to start with the question or phrase, uh, math for all, thinking about what that means to you. What does that make you think about? Aaron, would you mind starting us off? Yeah, um, for me, math for all is kind of a tag to remind myself that this at the core is an equity issue that we're um, working to help make sure all students have access to high quality math instruction and um, so math for all is kind of like remembering what's at the core of it for me yeah I, I <laughs> somebody at some point said um, math for all but also math for all you know yeah. we're not we're not just talking about the all that we seem to think about but we really mean everyone for me when i think about it i think about the phrase um, if they can't learn the way i teach i need to teach the way they learn so it's that like never giving up on any student never thinking a kid can't learn but you just haven't found the way yet yeah so, that, that's a really that's a really important point because at for a long time, when we thought about what, what's effective teaching, we identified the things the teacher was supposed to do. And then when people were watching the teacher, if the teacher did what they were supposed to do, everything was good. And you know, if the kids didn't learn, well, it was just their fault. Huh. And now we're saying that no matter how good the practices of the teacher look, if they're not producing student outcomes, then we need to, we need to shift our thinking on that. It's certainly easier to blame kids, right? <laughs> That's not my fault. It's, you know, it's so, I find myself, I had some undergrads recently who did not do well, let's say that, on an assignment. And um, my initial thing was wanting to say, you know, you knuckleheads, why didn't you X, Y, and Z? But it's really hard because in the end I end up thinking, okay, so what didn't I do? Yeah. that didn't make this as accessible to them as possible. It's so much, so much work every day in the classroom to helping students um, learn and understand. And so at the end of the day, like I often want to feel like I did a good job. And so if I only look at those students that, I, that did, did show understanding and I don't hold myself accountable to when students are not showing understanding in my classroom, I'm missing a huge... Um, part of my responsibility. Yeah. Um, so we're here to talk about menu. And we brought Erin in because she's our menu expert. Actually, we have a bunch of menu <laughs> experts, but, right, but at the moment, she's the menu maven. Um, so Erin, how do you think menu fits in a balanced math block? What's its place? Yeah. <clears throat> um, I, I picture a balanced math block as a soccer practice. So um, if your launch for the balanced math block is like your soccer practice warm-up. Everyone's kind of coming together, team culture builder, getting ready for the work together. The, the main lesson of your soccer practice is like developing these concepts that, dri that drive throughout um, your development as a soccer player. So 
defense, offense, and pa how passing plays in, a role in those, um, et cetera. Concepts that you have to learn and they grow as you, as you develop more and more understanding about what it means to be a good soccer player, then that menu is that skill practice part of soccer. Everyone can really accept when we talk about sports team that that students are are going to come to that sports team with varying levels of uh, experience and so there's different things that they need to be working on to grow who they are as a soccer player that's your menu time of your class it's that time where you get to say you really need to work on ball skills and you really need to work on um, 1v1 beating a player because that's that's going to make you stronger at what we do all together and so it's that differentiated time and then you close out altogether. Could you find that sometimes it's the the soccer player themselves that's saying, this is what I need to work on, and kind of making those choices for themselves? They tell me that all the time. Great. like, And I, I see it come up as, as you develop um, a differentiated time that builds in choice and independence and gives students ownership over their learning. Typically, athletes take ownership over their learning, right? Because they're so motivated right. to like be the better player. That's what we also want to instill in our classroom, yeah. students who are super motivated to be a better mathematician and given the choice and independence and, and really cool offerings that are designed to help them do that, they'll, they'll tell you what they want to work on too. Yeah, I say, I say this a lot. It shifts the idea of who the math is for, yeah. which is a question that is settled for many kids by seventh and eighth grade. The math is a thing we do to them. Yeah. Because they're in school, and I'm just going to endure this as much as I can. But I tell this story a lot. I was working down in Waterbury, Connecticut, and um, they were finishing up a menu, and I had been in to observe. And one of the kids brought his math journal over to the teacher, and he said, what are you going to do with these things at the end of the year? And she looked over at me, and I'm like, I, I have plenty of samples. I don't need them. And she said, well, I, I guess you're going to take it home. And he said, phew. There's stuff in here I need. You know, like there was enough. Awesome. Yeah, I know. There was enough ownership around his math. And I think menu and the strategies that we accept from kids during number talks, it shifts this whole notion that the math is something they're doing for us to the idea that it's for them. That's the whole point. Mm. Yeah. Aaron, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about like the specific characteristics of menu because there's words out there or structures that I think all are kind of floating in the same area as menu. And so menu is a very all learners kind of phrase. And so not a lot of people in the country might know about it, but you might have heard about math workshop or guided math. Bridges users would have workplaces or sometimes there's workstations. So like, can you help us understand what does menu mean? Like what are the really critical parts of that? Yeah, um, I think all of those things are, are related to each other um, in that it's a time where the teacher is freeing themselves up to run small group instruction. Mm -hmm. And that's a really key component of, of menu time is that the, the teacher can provide differentiated instruction based on formative assessment data, what they've been seeing going on in class, what they've been noticing in, the, in students' menus work, etc. I would, I would package menu, my one-liner is that it's a set of purposeful offerings that provide students choice and independence and, and allows the educators in the room to really um, focus on conceptual understanding through inquiry-based differentiated instruction. <laughs> nice. 
Yeah, I, I want to emphasize for the special educators and interventionists out there that this is the time when we're filling gaps that kids have from previous understanding. Yeah. Right, so main lesson's always about grade level content, but menu is when you, you know, if a fifth grader has, still has issues with adding and subtracting, this is a time when there'd be specific instruction for them. I love it personally when interventionists or special educators push in during math menu, take small groups, meet with kids, uh, then the children aren't missing uh, their regular in math instruction because they're being pulled out for something else. Um, so I, I think it offers an opportunity to do the kinds of differentiation that kids need. And if you don't have a block like this, whatever you call it, then that really doesn't get done. I think, I think it's ironic that Math Solutions says workshop because menu is a Marilyn Burns term. <laughs> it's true. I got it from her. It's I mean, true. I took a workshop of hers 20, 30 years ago. Even, you know, I'm a, I was 10 when it happened. Yeah. Yeah. I say the big question that, that it helps you answer is, do you have space in your instructional block for students accessing grade level concepts and for students to access unfinished learning about really important concepts that will build on future grade levels? I love that term. I'm gonna eat unfinished learning. Oh, me too. Instead of talking about <laughs> gaps, yeah. oh, that's really good. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, very that's growth really mindset. <laughs> Well, because really they're instructional gaps, right? It's not learning gaps. If we're, if we're taking that mindset of like, I have to teach the way they learn, then yeah. right, then they're That's just right. they didn't have the opportunity to learn that, or or the teacher previously didn't find the way that the key that unlocked the door for that kiddo for that concept or that skill. Yeah, and I, I took unfinished learning from Bob Laird because he's he was naming it inside of our standard structure, so. He was saying, like, um, we we present standards to teachers that as if there will be, they will be finished, the learning will be finished at grade one, this is all the finished learning that will be done. And at grade two, this is all the finished learning that will be done. But in reality, students kind of grow and develop in these cycles that you can't totally predict within a year's time. So it kind of helps, like, you have to have the place where you've un addressed that unfinished learning. I'm wondering how um, Menu can help instructional teams to meet the needs of all students. You've kind of mentioned some of those ways that it can be differentiated in, um, in Vermont at least, and I think in many places in the country, many systems are shifting more to like an MTSS, a multi-tiered systems of support, or my preferred MLSS, multi-layered systems of support. Mm -hmm. So how do we use Menu as like, you know, layering more um, opportunities for students? Yeah, I think the gold standard is that your math menu time starts to build, starts to be a part of a, a bigger system that addresses students' needs um, across your whole system, right? So like John was saying earlier, if you are um, purposeful about your master schedule and where, where teachers have their math menu time in the day, you can then also purposefully schedule special education teachers' times and, and interventionist times to coincide with that same block of time yep. so that everyone is kind of having an intervention in the classroom um, and the system is built that way. Yeah, and you might, even, you might even be able to start to think of it not as intervention, but just as 
learning, teaching and learning, right? Yes. Kids just getting what yes. they need. Yeah. I mean, I'm an ex-special educator, and I can't tell you how many times I would see colleagues of mine pull kids out of class, bring them to an office, run out to their van to find material, you know, like tons of lost instructional time. So I think that's something that that's not thought of enough is just the the efficiency of bringing people into the classroom versus pulling kids out of the classroom and creating the structure for that. Absolutely. Um, what about the idea of... Um, just talk more about that idea of looking forward and looking back. You know, you talked a little bit about like some unfinished learning, but there's also the, the major grade level learning that students need to have extra time with. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting because um, I think the best menus are planned from looking at student work and thinking about mm. student thinking. But often our tendency is to try to plan menus based off of where we are in our curriculum or where we are in our main lesson work. And the two actually don't have to be linked together. I, I think of math menu time as this time to be really, really responsive to student thinking and student understanding, where I get to really slow down and listen to students and do in the moment questions that help them get to an aha because it's so uncontrollable when students have that aha and constantly searching for ways to have it. Menu is that time where I get to slow down and just help students hit the ahas over and over and over again. Um, yeah, the most important time is that interaction, that in the moment interaction. Yeah. The practice, can, a lot of the practice can be done independently, but if you don't have that interaction where you, you put out the question and you watch the understanding like pop into the kids' eyes. Yeah. yeah. It's like the time where I know I can be really responsive. And I think sometimes planning from curriculums, we're not responsive to what students right. know and understand. We're responsive to what we're responsible for helping them like get access to. We are responsible for that, right? But, but menu is that time where I get to respond to what they know, what mm -hmm. they understand the stuff that's making sense to them and build from there. So I think one of the things I hear you saying that's underlying is pre-planning, you know, all the planning that goes into that, special educators, interventionists, classroom teachers, planning together, yeah. looking at student work, and then planning those activities off of what they're seeing from their actual students in front of them. Yeah, and there's two levels of planning. So like, um, the, there's the side of planning the purposeful offerings that students take on during this time and there's the planning that I think sometimes gets overlooked and is really really important driving factor of being responsive the planning that goes into what are my small group um, instruction what did my small group instruction look like and how am I coordinating that hopefully mm -hmm. at a systems level with multiple adults yeah awesome so if you're someone out there listening, you're a teacher who maybe hasn't dipped their toe into a menu uh, practice, what what can that teacher do to kind of get started? What are some ways to start getting your feet wet, yeah. so to say? So um, because there's multiple le level layers of planning involved to, to have a differentiated block in your math um, in your math block, one option is to um, utilize our menu subscription program. Um, service on our All Learners um, website. 
So what that gives you is weekly purposeful offerings designed by a teacher. Um, so it kind of follows a scope of typical tra trajectory of the high leverage concepts. Um, you get a couple, you get a set of computation practice, a couple of games, a couple of problem solvers, a couple of journal prompts, and it takes away some of the planning required for the independent part of your work mm -hmm. so that you can really focus and leverage the planning required for the small groups and, and differentiated instruction. Nice. And one of the really exciting things that you and I have talked about um, previously is the idea of a teacher at a grade level also looking at previous grade level menus and kind of mix and matching and kind of creating an own menu based on, again, that what you're seeing, what the students sitting in front of you actually need. Yeah, and, and we try to take some of the work away from that from teachers in, in the subscription service. You each week get the, the computation practice from the grade level below as well. Great. So if you have students who are struggling to do the, the computation practice at, a, at an independent level, there's another level there already provided for you. Nice. Okay, well, thanks so much to the mighty Aaron Oliver for joining us today. <laughs> oh, there's one more thing I need to say, John. That oh. is, we also have a menu course coming up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Christian Quartermont. Christian's so, doing a course. Yes. Many of you know Christian. <laughs> so he's starting that on November 3rd. It'll be an in-person uh, graduate credit course. November 3rd is the first day, and then November 10th, 17th, December 15th, and January 12th. And then there's some online kind of asynchronous uh responsibilities as well so folks can sign up on our website is that course happening at the lovely learning center in the chase it Hill? is it is yes if you have not been to the learning center you're missing out it's a great place to have a course extremely comfortable or take a nap or have a meeting you know it's a good it's a good spot well, thanks, Erin. Thanks for joining us yeah, this morning. Yeah, it's fun. I love talking about math. I hope I, <laughs> we all do. This could be a much, much longer podcast. Yeah. Um, I hope I hope folks out there are listening and get some value from this. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to Math Menus or schedule some PD with us through Erin. You can reach her by emailing menus. That's M E N U S. Wait, let me do that in my. That's menus. M-E-N-U-S at alllearnersnetwork.com. Remember, you can find a recording of today's uh, session at alllearnersnetwork.com along with free online lessons, high leverage concepts, high leverage assessment, high leverage t-shirts, <laughs> belt buckles, and coffee mugs. We actually do have coffee mugs. And I, my sister gave me a belt buckle for <laughs> Christmas that has ALN on it. It's also available at Anchor now, John. So folks who want to just download and have the podcast and go for a walk or something where they don't have internet access, they can do that oh, too. Excellent. Yeah. ALN Math Talk is produced by the All Learners Network, All Rights Reserved. Executive producers Sandy, Miss Elementary, Math, Stanhope, and John, I was just thinking Tapper. TJ, the designer, Jemison, is the co-host. And the designer is in Tapper's, by the way. <laughs> Spiritual and mathematical guidance has been provided by Robert Fly in the Water, microbrew, stats-loving Laird, who reminds us that we'd probably be more successful if we just drew a freaking picture. Our theme music was written and performed by Sarah Blair. Join us next time for another ALN Math Talk.